Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. We brought your Bibles today. Amen. Well, listen, go open your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel. We're going to get right into this. We were right in the... In a, uh, we kicked off a series about David uh, being a man after God's own heart last week. So this is part two, even though we're going to do the introduction. For, so First Samuel, uh, chapter sixteen, and um, we're going to get into this. The Lord has just put this on my heart to preach because if there's ever been a time when we have we have to have a heart for God. If there's ever been a time when we have to guard our heart, it is now. If there's ever been a time. David lived through the most uncertain times of anyone else in the Bible, and we've got a front row seat to his life. As I told you last week, there's no one in the Bible that Scripture has been dedicated to the, the most. There's been 10 chapters to Abraham, 10 chapters to Elijah and Elisha, but 66 to David. So if God left that much information in the Bible about David's life, I think he wants us to learn something. And so he, uh, he had his family turn on him. He had relationships go on. There were scandals in the palace. There were political problems. There were famines. There were, there were all kinds of problems. But David seemed to always land on his feet or on his knees, I should say. He always continued to have the posture of praise. He always, he wasn't perfect. He messed up, but he always found a way to uh, bounce back and to rebound. And I think that's what we need to hear today. You know, we read scriptures in the Bible that talk about the last days and those that endure to the end. And we go, man, yes, amen, I relate to that. But after the end of this year, I think we're going to look at those scriptures a totally different way. It's kind of tough getting through the grind, isn't it? So um, I, I think this is so important for us to hear, especially the Bible also talks about in the last days that because lawlessness will abound everywhere you'll look, there'll be something chaotic going on. Jesus said because of that, many people's love for God, the agape love, the only kind of love that we can have as Christians, will grow cold. Don't let it happen to you. But Jesus said that's going to happen. It doesn't have to happen to you, and it won't happen to you if you allow it. So that's another reason why I am ministering, preaching this about, about David. So I want to dive right into this today. First of all, happy Father's Day to all of our dads. Amen. Come on. Drop. If you're a father and you're here in the building, won't you stand up to your feet? Let us see all the dads. Come on, stand up, dads. Come on, stand up, dads. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Amen. Awesome. Normally we have a gift for our dads, and, but this is kind of a different year. So families, you're going to have to bless your own dads. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. No. Um, it's just, you know, just a different year, different times, but we do appreciate our fathers. And, and uh, this is the day. I don't know what you got planned for today, but I got some steaks sitting at home marinating. And I uh, can't wait for that. Amen. I'm easy to please. That's it, right? And so just give me a good steak. Amen. God's good. So, uh, hallelujah. If you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry. Amen. Hallelujah. So anyway, uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16. I'm going to kind of get into this. It's one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible about David and about his life. 
So the first, let me set a little context. The first problem that we have here is that Israel no longer wanted God to be their king. Uh, it's always a problem when God is never enough. When God is not enough, then that's when our problems begin. Did you hear that? And God said, you know what? I don't want you to have a government. I don't want you to have a democracy. God said, I want you to have a theocracy, meaning God is supposed to be the divine leader of his people. That's how the scripture is set up. And he said, I'm going to speak to my people through the prophets. That was God. He didn't want a senate. He didn't want a congress. This was not God's ideal. But Israel said, no, God, we want to be like everybody else. We want a democracy, actually a, mon a monarch. We, that's what we want, a monarchy, uh, a kingdom. And we want to be like all the other kingdoms. We want to be like everybody else, so give us a king. God said, do you know what a king's going to do? You know what's going to happen when, when you rely on man? They're going to let you down. You're going to do this. And he goes through in chapter 15 and warns them, this is what's going to happen if you go down that road. But they still insisted that they wanted to be like everybody else. So God said, okay. He gave them Saul. Everybody say Saul. You're going to learn about Saul as we go, Saul and David. Saul was the people's choice. He's who the people wanted to be their ruler. He was... Um, he was a handsome guy. He was a strong guy. He come from a wealthy family. I don't have time to really get into some other areas, but they also in those days, there were giants on the land. We learned this last week when David killed Goliath. And so there were a lot of the uh, tribes and the people had these giants and these big men of warriors. And so they wanted Saul. That's why your Bible says that Saul was a head taller than everyone else. They wanted the same thing. They wanted that meant power. That meant wealth. That meant security for them. And God said, I got all of that to you if you just believe in me. So Saul failed. Saul was very prideful. He was very insecure. David had insecurities as well, but Saul handled his insecurities a lot different. He was, uh, he was a narcissist. He would, when, when the kingdom was taken from him, instead of meeting with Samuel, your Bible says he went down and he built a monument to himself. <laughs> That's what Saul was. He was all about himself. He was a people pleaser. He needed the name. He needed the title. He was into titles. He was into accolades. He, that's what Saul was all about. And he failed. And so God said, you know what? I'm going to raise up a man after my own heart. And I love the way Acts 13 says it. He says, after God removed Saul, he made David their king, testifying concerning him that I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. What does that mean to be a man after God's own heart? Here's the answer. He will do everything I want him to do. When you have a heart for God, you'll live for God. That's what he said. This is what it means to be a man after God's own heart. Father, fathers that's listening, dads, this is what it means to be a man of God. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't even have to preach. You don't even have to be able to sing or do any public kind of ministry. God is looking for men that will simply obey him and will simply live their life to please him and him only. Can I get some amens in this place today? That's it. Because Saul didn't do everything God told him to do. You'll see that. Saul was the kind of guy that did kind of the things God told him to do. He was kind of saved. He was kind of a follower of Christ. He was kind of a believer. He was kind of that kind of guy. But you can't be kind of a Christian no more than you can be kind of pregnant. You either are or you're not. 
Now, there may be a period of time when you're not showing and a lot of people really don't know. You just have a little glow and you're talking about it. But if you continue and if you are carrying a little baby inside of you, it will show. If you are walking with God sooner or later, it will show. Come on, somebody. It will just begin to show. You can't hide your faith. Come on. Somebody say, I can't hide my faith. You don't want to hide that faith. That's how David was. But Saul was not that way. He did everything his way. He served God 99% of the time, which it's still 1%, not all the time. He wasn't perfect, but he just did things his own way. So here we go, 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. How long, this is God talking to Samuel. Everybody say Samuel. He said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. For I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among the sons. Bethlehem. Doesn't that sound familiar? Where have we heard Bethlehem before? Isn't that amazing? But here, this, this is a word. This is a preach today. This is a word for all of us. How long will you mourn for Saul? How long will you grieve and mourn for the things that didn't work out the way you thought they were going to work out? How long will you let that little fault, that relationship that failed, that little dream that didn't come to pass, that job, whatever it was that didn't work, 2020, the first six months, how long are we going to allow the first six months of 2020 to keep us from going for the rest of the six months that God has for us? That's what God is saying. He says this, fill your horn with oil and go. Your horn was a a flask that the prophets would carry, and they would use that to anoint uh, the kings. It 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 was something fresh, and he was all out of oil. And God is saying, and he just began to give up. It's not gonna happen. If I could, I loved Saul, I thought he was the guy. We had a big celebration. I thought this was going to work out. And God removed him, and now he's just stuck. You can get stuck. You hear me today? You can get stuck. Listen to this today. So God said, I want to give you fresh oil for a fresh season. I said, I want to give you fresh oil for a fresh season. New oil for a new season. A new oil for a new season. Come on. Fill that flask with oil and go. Go back to doing what I've called you to do. I've called you to anoint the priest. I've called you to anoint the next king. i called you to be the man that comes and brings my anointing into the cities. The Bible says when, when Samuel came into the city, the people trembled because he was a respectable prophet. It wasn't like that guy that you see on TV at 3 o'clock in the morning talking about, send me 99, 99, and I'll give you 99, 99 blessings in Jesus' name. It's not that kind of prophet. The Bible says when Samuel came to town, the people trembled because every word he spoke came to pass. I wish to God he would raise up some prophets today that would really say something that would edify and be on target and build up the people of God. Come on, somebody. Everybody's just trying to build their own shrine, their own monument that Saul. He'd rather be seen being kind than to really be kind. It's one thing to be seen that I'm out here making a difference just because you want to be seen. Or are you really willing to make a difference? Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself today. Fill your horn with oil and go. Come on, somebody say, fill my horn with oil and go. It's time to go. It's time to get back to it. 
It's time to get back to what God's called you to but you're not going to do it unless you got some oil. We're back to that. Verse 2. And then Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he's going to kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer. <laughs> That's a funny word. <laughs> That's what he says. Take a heifer. I thought it was funny. Take a heifer with you. I love the Bible. The Bible is not boring. If you think the Bible's boring, you're boring. He said, take a heifer with you and say that I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So he says, Saul is going to kill me if he finds out I'm coming here to anoint the next king. God said, listen, you don't have to, don't lie, but you don't have to tell him everything. That's what God is saying. I love the Bible because it tells us exactly how God is. Jesus taught this in the New Testament. He said, the sons of this world are wiser than the sons of the kingdom. He meant that as a put down, by the way. So he said, you need to be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. I'm helping somebody right now. In other words, uh, Samuel, go to town and, 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 and just tell them that you're going to bring a sacrifice, which you are, but you don't have to tell them everything. I mean, you don't got to tell everybody all your business. I, you don't have to tell everybody what God is speaking to you and what God's doing in your heart. You're not obligated. I know Facebook says what's on your mind, but sometimes I wish you don't tell what's on your mind. Sometimes it's okay. Come on. Just like he said, he said, how long are you going to mourn after Saul? Sometimes you need to thank God that that relationship didn't work out. Sometimes you need to thank God you didn't get that job. Sometimes you need to thank God, thank God you didn't get into that level of ministry. You weren't ready for it yet. There'll be a time when I believe we'll thank God for 2020. I just lost half of you right there. I'm serious. You know how I say that? By faith, because right now I'm not feeling it. But every time I read through the Word of God, God's people went through way worse than this. You know, I was thinking the other day, I said, honey, what would Paul do or Peter do today? Would he wear a mask? Would he, would he tell the people to wash their hands? Would they, would they follow the CDC guidelines? I mean, that's a good question. As a leader, I think we should ask them questions. I'm a Bible-believing Christian, aren't you? And so I, I, I thought, I said, God, what would you do if you did this? And Is it in the Bible? Yes, it's in the Bible. So I went to the New Testament because some of you would say, oh, that's Old Testament if I went to Joseph. So I went to the New Testament. You know, there were famines in the land. And when there were famines in the land, you know what God did? He sent a prophet to warn them to store up their food because a, a famine is going to come over the land and they're not going to have any food. So they would have to ration off their food. They would have to abide by some regulations just to get through that season. Now, I'm sure there, it was real tempting for Peter to stand up and say, bless God, I'm going to eat all the food I want to eat because he's able to feed me by the ravens. Hallelujah. Think about it. But he says, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be smart. I'm not going to live in fear, but I'm going to be smart. And I'm not going to rely on my resources, but I'm going to rely on my source. And God is my source. And I'm, if i got to wear a mask, sometimes I'll wear it. If i got to wash my hands, we should be washing our hands anyway. Come on, somebody. I said we should be washing our hands anyway. Come on, somebody. Bunch of dirty humans. I'm telling you, that's how we got in this mess. I'm just saying. I worked with a guy. He'd always say he was a big hunter. He loved going out to the woods, man. And we'd go out hunting with him, and he'd look and see some paper. He'd go, dirty humans. 
I used to laugh at that, but then I got to thinking. You ever been to Walmart? I'm just saying. <laughs> you ever go? You, come on, you, you see some people, you're like, come on, Lord Jesus. I better keep going. I'm going to get myself in trouble. They need some fresh oil. Put some oil on that in Jesus' name. We're going to get through it. But we should be washing our hands. We, but the point is this. You don't live in fear, but it's okay to be wise. It's okay to abide by some of these um, guidelines, and we're going to get through it. The people of God did in the New Testament, and God brought a revival, and they were able to come out of it. And I believe we will look back one day and say, God, I thank you for that season. I didn't understand it. We lost a lot of things. A lot of things didn't turn out the way we thought. But, God, now I see that there was a lot of good that did come out of that part. There was a lot of changes that did come in America. There were a lot of changes that you did in me. There was a lot of things that I needed to get back to. I needed to get back to spending time with you, Jesus. I needed to get back to getting into the Word. I needed to quit being a part-time Christian to fight a full-time devil. I needed to get back into the Word. I needed to get, learn how to really know who you are for who you are. Amen? Verse 3 says, then Jesse came to the sacrifice, and God said, I'm going to show you what to do, and you shall anoint for me the one I named to you. Now, this is really the only part I want to talk to dads for a minute. I usually preach a whole message about fathers today. I just didn't feel going that way, but this is for dads. I want you to see that, that Jesse had to come to the sacrifice. If it wasn't for the spiritual sacrifices of Jesse, we wouldn't have David anointed king. If, if Jesse would not have participated in the spiritual sacrifices, David would not have been a giant killer. He would not have been a king. He would not have fulfilled prophecy. We would not eventually have Jesus in that bloodline. All because of his father said, I'm going to participate in some spiritual blessing to meet this prophet, this preacher, and let him do some anointing oil. I'm going to go to that church service, and I'm going to demonstrate to my family that spiritual matters just as much as physical matters it's great that we provide for our families men that we work and we provide a home and that we are men and that we uh, provide them with protection and uh, and security that's our job of a man of a father I believe in that I believe we are to set the example but fathers must lead with spiritual sacrifices for your family not just physical but we need to also show them the spiritual we need to show them during the pandemic how we deal with things. They need to see us calling upon God. They need to see us that we make God a priority. You're doing this on Sunday by watching services today. You're demonstrating to your children that, wow, I grew up in a house where my mom and dad treated God with priority. You hear me today? If Jesse would have said, no, I'm not doing that church thing. I'm not that spiritual. What's his name down the street? He's the spiritual guy. Can't he do it for all of us? Oh, that's women work. I'm going to send my wife in there. She does the worshiping for us. I just go and work my job. I'm trying to, the Bible in the book of Joel says, awaken the mighty men. Awaken the mighty men. That's good that you work 40, 60 hours. That's good you got a degree and you're, you're very competent and everything. But I'm telling you, what one thing we've got to do is to show our kids the spiritual importance. We also got to provide for them spiritually, morals, integrity, character, things they won't learn just by throwing a ball in the front yard. You hear me? That's so important. It's so important. Teach them spiritual disciplines and they'll be equipped to fight giants. 
It won't learn how to overcome depression, anxiety, the things that the world throws at them by just being a good athlete and getting good grades. I'm not minimizing getting good grades because that makes a difference. I told Joshua, my nephew, when he graduated, I was so proud of him. I said, we're walking outside around the track, which was so weird. But I kind of didn't hate it because the whole thing was over in an hour. I'm just saying. <laughs> How many's ever sat in a gymnasium for four hours? Amen. <laughs> but I said, Josh, this reminded me of my high school. It was the best six years of my life. I said, man, I'm proud of you to knock it out in four years like that and stay diligent. We're, we're happy that our kids do that, but I'm telling you, how much more so when we give them something that's going to last past their graduation, even their careers, and I'm telling you about the spiritual matters. Is anybody getting this today? Don't miss over this verse. It's just a verse. No, 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 Jesse said it. Samuel, come to my house. Don't send me an email. I don't want to do it. Through, through any other way, I, I want you to come to mind. I'm going to tangibly be with you in the presence. And, and so he did that. Verse 6 says this, so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. Please get this right here. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If we've ever needed a scripture verse for 2020, June 2020 right now, it's this one right here. Do you, come on. Do you believe that? This is what we mean when we say we got to cure for racism. We got to cure for judging one another wrongfully, for division. It's, this is what I mean. This is the, the backbone of scripture for Christianity. This is the way that God sees people. Not how our political party sees people. Not even how our country as a, God is not American. I love the country, but I'm telling you, it, we get so caught up into these things that it ends up skewing the way we see people. Even the prophet missed it. How many know the pastors don't have all the answers? We're not perfect. Samuel said, surely this is God's anointed. Look how good he looks. Because when the prophet came to your house, Jesse had all his boys lined up. It would be like a scout for the Detroit Lions coming to your house to pick the next player. Okay, maybe Dallas or something, I don't know. But So anyway, the Lions came, it's a scout. You're going to have your best athletes march in front of them. That's what Samuel did, he has his best. And Eliab was the oldest brother, and he came. He looked good and everything, but God said, I've rejected him because his heart isn't right. We need God's view. We need to see the people the way God sees people. Man, this is the answer right here. This is the answer right here. Father, help us to do that. Let it not just be a nice scripture in the Bible. But, Father, you are telling us how you see people. God, let us see people the way you see people. Let us look at the heart and not judge people by the way they look, the way they talk, the, what area they're from. It's all right here. This is how it fits right into today. And we still have the same problem. He says, Samuel, don't judge him by the way he looks. That's the way man looks. That's the way people look. People look at you. They'll snapshot your whole life for an incident that you did in your life. It cracks me up when you read the New Testament. The Bible says Jesus came to the house of Simon the leper. He's still called the leper even though Jesus healed him. How many people just love to put a label on you for one time in your life? Man, that's so good. 
But then he went on, and the Bible says in verse 11 through 13, he goes on to say that, he says, then is there, Samuel said, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him in and bring him, for we're not going to sit out until he comes. There are some things that are just not going to happen until you show up. There are some things that God's got waiting on you in the future, and it's not going to happen until you come with the anointing of God and in his timing and in his way, and then God's going to say, now is the time for me to make a difference to your life. Come on, somebody. In verse 12, so he went and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy, he had bright eyes, and he was good looking. And the Lord said, arise. Look at that. There's our word, church. Arise. Anoint him, for this is the one. This is the one that's going to change everything. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. How good that must have felt. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel went on to Ramah, went back to his city. How good that must have felt for David to come in. But he called him in. I just want to give you two takeaways and then we're going to move on. But I want you to see two things here about David. Number one, David, he was faithful in his field. He was faithful in his field. Listen, church, this is what God is looking for. He's looking for us to remain faithful in the field that he's called us in. He's looking. David wasn't even known. He wasn't out there in the pasture on Instagram making selfies. For, for real. He, no one knew about David. David even didn't have any idea what other people were doing. He was just sitting there staying faithful. He was, he was in the season that God was preparing him. He was in that season. Listen, when we get out of this quarantine and we get on with life, and we start packing out places again. We start having, you know, concerts and worship times and outpourings and, and conferences. And you're going to see Stephen Furtick and you're going to see these guys up there. And I believe another whole wave of people that you're going to see up there. And you're going to hear them say what I always tell you. I served God when no one was looking. I paid my dues. And God saw me faithful and he gave us this bill. He did all of this. And we all sit and we listen to those stories and we go, God, I want a season like that. I'm going to do that. Let me tell you, you are in that season right now you are in that season right now everybody that's listening you are in the in the dark room how I many know oh God has a dark room in a dark room is where you get developed we don't want to be developed we want to be discovered Churches are looking for people. To do, if I can just get discovered, if I can just get my chance, and David said, I'm not about all that. I'm here. I'm here being developed. God is developing me. No one even knew who I was. I love God gave me this Tuesday. I, man, I said, I've never heard this. If you have the attitude to serve when no one's looking, God will give you the favor to lead when everyone's looking. Hear that today. If you have the heart and the attitude to serve when no one's looking, God will give you the favor to lead when everyone's looking. I'm telling you. And right now, we just come out of three months. How well did you do? As I said, quarantine didn't change us. It revealed us, didn't it? Revealed our prayer life. Come on, but don't give up. If you stumbled a little bit and you wasn't getting in there and you kind of you know, had the heaviness getting on you, which is very real. I mean, this is what we're going through right now. Shake it off. Put on that garment of praise. Get in that word. Come on, fill that horn. Well, we got all these scriptures in the Bible telling us how we are to overcome. He stayed faithful in his field. And then secondly, and I want, this is probably the most important part. 
David had the ability to overcome offenses. <laughs> David had the ability to overcome offenses. He wasn't offended that he was number eight. Please hear this. Sam, for whatever reason, Jesse let all seven of his sons pass. And if, what is interesting is later in this verse, you, you may say, well, David wasn't really a warrior. He wasn't very, you know, athletic. He wasn't any of those things. No, no, no. Look, look at verse 18. Then one of the servants answered and said, Saul is looking for a musician. And they said, we found one. Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who was skillful in playing. He's a mighty man of what? Of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and handsome person, and the Lord is with him. This is before he kills the giant. How come Jesse didn't let him be a part of that? Some theologians believe that David was not Jesse's biological, that it was his wife's son. So you have a blended family situation where Jesse said, that's not my boy. Jesse did a lot of good things, but he wasn't perfect. But David was able to rise above the fact that he was not chosen with his other brothers. All of them was getting ready all morning. This is the day Samuel's coming to the house. You know, they were getting pumped, trying to get swole. Putting on their best. Wait till Samuel sees me, probably arguing over everyone. I can see a couple of them head button getting pumped. Come on, this is our day. Samuel walks in and, here, and, they, and, and Jesse says, go on, Eliab. Surely you're going to get, you're going to make, this going to be a quick service. Eliab walked out and God said, nope, that's not him. Number two walked out. He said, nope, uh-uh. Number three walked out. Number four walked out. Nope. Number five, didn't I tell you? Number six, all the way down, finally he says, do you have another one? He said, yeah, I got another one. He don't even know what's going on in the house. He's a dreamer. Everyone else is losing their ever-loving mind in quarantine. All this guy does is sit out there and worship. All this guy does is read his Bible. All this guy does is show up to try to help people and make a difference. He's been laid off three times, but he still ends up showing up and helping people. You see him always having his joy. I don't know what his problem is. We kind of avoid him because he's one of those. And your Bible says Jesse just called him how many times? One time. Hey, David. Come on. And the Bible says that he went immediately, went right into the house, smelling like the field, smelling like a farm. You ever been on a farm? My Uncle Leverett used to have a farm out here in Jackson. Being raised in the city, it was a highlight of our life to go and see the pigs. I used to go back there and watch them nasty pigs. Look at these things. They had an electrical fence there. They'd get zapped. They'd keep on eating. It's just nasty. Out in the field. I love being here in the property at night. When you walk out, you look up and you see those stars. When Melinda and I were youth pastors on Savage Road, we used to have youth rallies. We used to invite churches from all over to come. We had a Grace Assembly of God would come and drive a bus out from southwest Detroit. I'm closing, by the way. He would bring a busload out of his youth out. And we would have three-on-three tournaments. We would have pizza. And then we would have a church service. You know, it was rallies. You know, it was, it was awesome. We had over 100 kids there. It was, it was an amazing. And I'll never forget what um, the guy said to me who was doing youth at that time. He said, he said, Eddie, please don't ever stop doing this. 
And I said, why? He said, you know, my kids all the way home back to southwest Detroit, you know, all they talk about, it's not the pizza, it's not the service. That kind of hurt a little bit. He said, they talk about the bonfire. They talk about, you got grass. You got open, they look up and they can see the stars at night. You know, sometimes the things we take for granted are the very things that some people are so envious for and would want so bad to have. That's where David was, man. He was out there worshiping God. And I want you to see his heart. David later wrote in Psalm 119, he says, Great peace have those who love your word, and nothing causes them to be offended. We live in a world right now where people are getting offended every other day. It's by the things we see, by the things we hear. You can't talk right. You can't even speak right. You don't know what's right no more, what's wrong, and it's causing people to get hurt. It's causing people to be disunity like we've never seen. I'm telling you, that's a trick of the enemy. This man, 3,000 years ago, was 15 years old, and he lived in isolation. He wasn't included in none of his other family things, but he went on to be the greatest king that Israel ever had. He was a man that is more written in the Bible than any other person. Why? He was a man after God's own heart, and it simply says he knew how to rise above offenses. Come on, somebody. you got to learn to shake it off today. you got to learn to shake off that offense. I know it hurts. It stings. But don't fall for it. The Bible says in the last days that many will become offended. You know, John Brevere just released a book again that he called The Bait of Satan. I recommend every Christian to read it, and, and it's, it's, a, it's so relevant for today. But he, then he goes on and he says this in verse 29 in Psalm 119. I just want you to see this, and then we're going to close. David also said, keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. In other words, don't let your self-voice be louder than God's voice. David was all, all by himself, and he could have sat there and said, how come my dad didn't call me in with the rest of the brothers? How come they didn't mention this? How come Pastor Eddie didn't say this last week when he talked about racism? How come they don't post this? How come, this, how come I'm not included to this? How come they're looking at me funny? Some of us are coming out of quarantine. We're coming back to church, and we're kind of looking at each other like, hey, hey. You don't know if you're my friend or foe no more. Listen, it's like coming back after summer vacation back to school. Remember back to school, you had your new shoes on? You had your new styles? I remember when in ninth grade, I went from me, I'm really closing this time. I went from E-Course to Kennedy, uh, John F. Kennedy High School in Taylor. Shout out to the best high school in Taylor, amen. And I'll never forget, I looked and, and the kids kind of rolled their pants different. They rolled their pants down there a little different. And, you know, I just was... I had to learn new styles. It was just so different. But you didn't know who was your friend, and you kind of was looking like you're trying to, trying to build those relationships again. It's kind of like how we are when we're coming back to normal. Listen, don't let your self-voice be louder than God's voice. And last thing he said, he said, I have chosen. Somebody say chosen. I have chosen to be faithful, and I have determined to live by your regulations. He said, I'm going to choose David said, I'm going to choose to rise above offense. Come on, let me tell you something. The enemy is trying everything to, to divide this country. And in many fronts, he's letting it. But he's, I'm not going to let him happen to me. And you got to make that decision too. He's not going to let that happen. I have chosen. Look what David said 3,000 years ago. I have chosen. I have chosen. I'm going to rise above offenses. This is the heart that I need to tell you about the have in the last days. 
stay, stay faithful. We need to continue to have the heart of David. Come on, let's stand right now. David is standing out there, and how good that must have felt to, be, to kneel down in front of all of his brothers. I, he still smelt like the field. His brothers are all polished and standing in their equipment and had their shoulder pads on. <laughs> David comes in wearing shorts and an old nasty shirt stained up. He kneels down. Samuel says, it's your time. Not because you look good. You might have stumbled. You might, have, you might not look too good. Quarantine might not have been that good to you. But your heart is good. Hear me, river of life. Hear me, people. But your heart is good. You still got a heart to worship. You still got a heart to seek me. You still got a heart to, to go after me with all of your heart. You, you, you still got a heart to live for me. You still got a heart. And I'm going to pour this oil on you. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of 2020. Come on. I, I believe David stood up after this happened. He looked at his dad. He looked at his brothers. He said, okay, dad, I, I got to go back and take care of these sheep. Thanks for the attention. I'll take a little selfie, post it on Instagram. The next chapter says David would go back to the sheep even after he was called to the palace. He was faithful in his field. He stayed faithful in what God called him to do. Little by little, sometimes your miracle isn't a big step of faith. It's little steps of faithfulness. I'm going to get through June. Oh, I'm going to make it through this week. Oh, man, did you see the news? Did you see what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just going gonna, gonna to choose to live for God this week. I don't know what August has. My God, I don't know what October is going to have. I don't know if we're going to see another spike. I don't know if we're going to have this. But today, by your spirit, I will rise. And I'm going to live for you today. I'm going to live for you tomorrow. I'm going to live for you the next day. Come on. Lift your hands to him right now. Father, we're going to give it to you. We're going to give you. We want to keep our heart pure before you, God. Give us a heart of, like David, God. That would be faithful in what you called us to do. Show our kids how to live for you during this crazy time. Our grandkids, our nephews and nieces. I don't agree with everything I see out there, God, but I agree with you. And I agree that you are holding everything and you've got the final say. So I'm going to follow you with all of my heart. I'm going to give you my bit. I've been offended. If you've been offended today, right now is a good time. Even right there in your living room is just ask God to take that from you. David could have said, no, Dad, I ain't going in the house. You should have called me first. You know I killed a lion. You know I killed a bear. I mean, I got a reputation of being a warrior. And you're gonna call, you didn't even call me to the party. You didn't even invite me in there. But you're going to have Eliab. We all know he's a big mouth. And now you want me to come? Oh, now you want me to do something? David said, nope, I choose not to get offended because my God's bigger than even my dad. My God's bigger than the Samuel. My God is bigger than Israel. My God is bigger than America. My God is bigger than this and bigger than that. It's my God and my God is who I serve. My God is who I want to please. Come on, somebody. Are you here today? 
you need to accept Jesus Christ into your life, we do this every week. I want you simply just to ask him into your life. Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to cleanse you, to wash you. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I have sinned. I ask you to forgive me. I've been offended. I'm angry. I'm hurt. Come on, if if that's you, you need to say it. Heal me, God. Take this offense from me. Oh, God, take it from me. I want to keep my eyes on you, God. I want to worship you. I want to live for you. From this day forward, help me to have the heart of David and to worship like you. Want me to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we dismiss, I don't know if we're still live streaming. I did want to bring something up to you guys. On Thursdays, God just put it in my heart to fast for our church and for our city. And our deacons and our board, our trustees, they're fasting on Thursdays as well, and they thought it'd be a good idea to let the whole church know. So I want to invite you on Thursdays for the next foreseeable future. I don't know. We do have a plan in place to meet and have open River Kids and to have an outpouring service and a worship weekend by the end of July. That's We're talking about that. Maybe we'll, we'll end the fast there. But can you just join in and fast with me on Thursdays? It could be one meal a day. It could be all day, but if you can make Thursdays, and maybe you're, you you can't diet, you know, can't do the food thing, I would encourage all of us to fast from social media for a while. I think that would solve half our problems right there. <laughs> David didn't have Facebook. I'm telling you, it sounds silly, but it can mess you up. You know how many times i got to repent a day not to post in Jesus' name? I'm telling you. This is just the day we're living in today. Let God speak to you however you want to fast. But on Thursdays, River of Life, we want to make it fast day for a while. Maybe to the mid-June. I know it's barbecue season. Come on. I know. But can we do that? Church that prays together and fasts together will we'll live together, will be together, and will grow together. And this is how we're going to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I bless your people. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your presence. Let us keep our hearts on aligned with you this week, Father. I pray that no matter what happens this week, give us that heart of David, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people. 